Good afternoon. I'm Jazz Garrett from the capital city on KINY. That annual fall lecture series evening at Egan continues tomorrow night at the University of Alaska Southeast Oakwake campus. In the presentation, The Suicide Basin, Glacier Outburst Flood, 2023 and Beyond, Dr. Aaron Hood of UAS and Aaron Jacobs of the National Weather Service will provide an overview of the 2023 outburst flood from Suicide Basin. The Glacier Lake outburst flood that happened this summer. Um, I'm going to be joined at the talk by Aaron Jacobs from the National Weather Service. And so we're going to basically try to help people understand why the flood was so big and so different from what we've seen in previous years. So I'll talk a lot about the research that we're doing up in Suicide Basin to understand how the flood starts, what's the volume of the flood, um, what do we think might happen in the future in terms of the flood, and then Aaron Jacobs will be talking about uh, the forecasting aspect of it. So how do they take the research information that we generate and turn that into a forecast, and how might they maybe change their messaging in the future They will summarize efforts to improve monitoring and forecasting of future outburst floods and discuss their research aimed at understanding how the ongoing evolution of Suicide Basin may impact future flood events. Some aspects of it we can forecast for sure. The thing that we can get right every year is when it's starting because we basically have cameras up there and other sensors that allow us to watch the basin filling up. And so we can see when it starts to drain and that's what initiates the flood. The challenge is understanding how much of the water that's stored in there is going to come out at one time. And that's what kind of confounds the whole forecasting process. And that's what we got wrong this year. The water held this year was about 14 billion gallons of water. This was the highest flow ever meant. Uh, measured in the Mendenhall River and the records go back to the 1960s. So we've never seen anything like this before. In fact, it was about 50% higher than any flow that's ever been measured on Mendenhall in the past. All evening at Egan lectures are scheduled for 7 p.m. at the Egan Library and live streamed on the UAS YouTube channel. They are free and open to the public. On September 27th, an arrest warrant in the amount of 2500 was issued by the state of Alaska for 55-year-old Isaac S. Needham for violating conditions of release in connection to a felony. On October 17th, an arrest warrant in the amount of 1000 was issued by the state of Alaska for 33-year-old James M. O'Brien Jr. for violating conditions of release in connection to a felony. On Tuesday, an arrest warrant in the amount of 1000 was also issued by the state of Alaska for O'Brien for failure to appear for an omnibus hearing. Anyone with information on Needham or O'Brien's whereabouts is asked to call the Sitka Police Department at 907-747-3245 or the anonymous crime line at 907-747-8980. The Alaska Council of School Administrators, a statewide private education nonprofit that provides leadership, unity, advocacy, and professional development of Alaskan public education entities, has received two grants from the U.S. Department of Education. The grants will help expand opportunities for educators and districts to obtain high-quality professional development, access nationally recognized instructional resources, and amplify student opportunities across the state. The U.S. Department of 
Education awarded ACSA and a selection of school district partners a three-year American History and Civics Education National Activities Grant to promote innovative instruction, learning strategies, and professional development in civics, American history, government, and geography, with an emphasis on activities and programs that benefit low-income students and underserved populations. The U.S. Department of Education also awarded ACSA and a selection of school district partners a three-year teacher and school leader incentive program grant to support implementing, improving, or expanding their overall human capital management system. Coming up next on News of the North, Cancer Connection is hosting an upcoming health forum this Saturday. That story next with Jordan Lewis. Welcome back to News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis. Docs and Harbors joined Action Line yesterday. A 9% increase in nearly all Docs and Harbors fees was approved by the Assembly on Monday. Port Director Carl Yucatel speaks to this. So at the, the Assembly meeting on Monday, uh, the Assembly took up that um, resolution and approved the uh, 9% rate increase. It was a 5-4 to four vote. A um, lot of discussion, a lot of questions from the assembly. At the end, um, it was uh, voted on to approve. 26 different fees that were included in that. He also talks on other decisions the board made based on public input. One fee that was changed, recommended for a change at the Docks and Harbors Board uh, public hearing was the fee that would affect the monthly harbor moorage rate was instead of a one-time 9% increase in January, that the rate would be increased 3% in January 2024, 3% in January 2025, and 2.8% in 2026. So spreading that out. And the, the rationale that the board had for that was um, it affects most of uh, all of the harbor patrons um, and that it was fair to split that up to um, relieve some of the um, pain that comes with raising rates. A board member of Cancer Connection, Ruth Johnson, joined Capital Chat to discuss their upcoming health form at Centennial Hall. Um, this is an annual event that we've been doing for many, many years. Um, this year, our speaker is Dr. Ann Zink, who we all got to know during the COVID crisis. Oh, yes. On the evening news, she helped keep us all calm and sane. Um, the topic of the Health Forum is Bridging Health and Hope, Wellness in the Face of Cancer. This is a, a subject we haven't covered before, so I'm sort of excited about that. Okay. Um, I, the, for so long, cancer, the conversation was just all around survivorship. And there's so many cancers that people are surviving for longer now. And we're talking about the mental health issues of cancer survivorship, in addition to, you know, the stuff you go through when you're initially diagnosed. Right. The form will be this Saturday at 11 a.m. And it's a sunny Saturday, but believe me, it's worth carving out a little time for this. Of it's course. at 11 o'clock. We'll have um, exhibitors there from... Oh, the hospital and several nonprofit healthcare providers and services, um, some of the resources that we try to refer people to to keep you entertained. We don't actually open the doors to the, we have all three ballrooms at 1145. Okay. And lunch will be served by PEO chapter. Um, local chapter helps us serve lunch every year. The lunch is catered by Breeze Inn. There'll be salmon, a salad, a part is a lovely lunch. 
and it's totally free of charge. We just ask for a donation. Um, if you're able to help offset the cost of that luncheon, it's completely voluntary. She adds they'll be recognizing people affected by cancer and those who have made significant contributions. So we're going to be recognizing our corporate sponsor of the year, our survivor of the year, oh, our medical professional of the year. So there'll be some local folks being recognized for um, their impacts on the cancer community in Juneau, um, as well as Ann Zeke, the keynote speaker. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy and First Lady Rose Dunleavy send their condolences to the family and loved ones of former legislator Vic Fisher, the last surviving delegate to the Alaska Constitutional Convention. He was 99 years old. Governor Dunleavy has ordered that flags be flown at half-staff in Fisher's honor from sunrise on November 12th until sunset November 13th. And Sika District Ranger Eric Garner, under authority delegated by the Federal Subsistence Board, is closing the Rosenberg Lake Zone to the harvest of mountain goats. The closure will be effective as of this Saturday at midnight and will remain in effect through the rest of the 2023 season, which ends December 31st. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game has issued a concurrent closure in the same zone. Additional mountain goat harvest in this zone could have long-term effects on the conservation of the mountain goat subpopulation. The remainder of Baranoff Island is open to goat hunting until the season closes, unless closed by special action. Now you're up to date with News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis.